Hello and welcome to Impact Izone. I am your new host, Blake Froling here. Uh, Andrew Hayes got the opportunity to go to New York uh, to represent Impact, to go to the Madison Square Garden, cover the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 for us. We have him here on the phone now. Andrew, how are you? I'm driving through Pennsylvania in snow and it's almost April, Blake, so not the best, but uh, it's still a good trip. Good, good. I mean, even though we uh, had that heartbreaking loss, it must have just been amazing to be in press for Madison Square Garden. Can you just tell us a little bit about how great that experience was? Right, right. That's that. That's just amazing. Did you get to like talk to them, or you just kind of like walk around like you're a big shot and you're right, not really impressed by him? I was, I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I could probably go shake their hands, but I'm I'm more of a fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you told me the story uh, about Andy Katz, um, and oh, I think the uh, listeners yeah. might enjoy that one. I gotta say that does take some stones to pull off. I don't think uh, I'd be able to do that without just kind of going by and give like a meager wave, maybe. Yeah. But hey, we need a picture taken. Right. Um, right. Why not? Why not just pick Andy Katz? Yeah, that's a lot. So. Right time, right place. So, we were. I was listening to the audio you sent me uh, after our, the loss to UConn. Um, it was. It was pretty tough to listen to. I mean, almost almost as tough as watching the end of the game itself. Just just hearing that raw emotion um, in the voice of Adrian Payne and especially Gary Harris, both just sounded just shell-shocked. And um, right now I'm going to play a quote uh, from Gary Harris when one of the reporters asked him if he was surprised uh, that Michigan State lost. Season over, I mean... You know, our goal is to play in the Final Four. You know, that's what we've been talking about since the beginning. And to get this close and be up in the second half by nine points is tough right now. But, I mean, we didn't do things necessary for us to win. So it's all on us. So you can just hear in that one, uh, is he's just, just kind of speechless at that point. And it's one thing to be able to hear it. But it's another thing for you to be able to kind of see their reactions and as well as hear them. So you can just can you just kind of just tell us what what it was like being in that press room after the game? It was uh, you used the right word. I think Michigan State and and I know I I was it was just shell shocked. It was it wasn't necessarily upset. It wasn't you know, dejected. It was just like holy cow. Because I think from, you know, it's been an up and down season, but I, for, for most of the year, I still love to believe that this team pretty much has what it takes to make the national championship. And I don't think that that's 
it was, it was like something that you had taken for granted. It was like when you found out Santa Claus wasn't real. <laughs> it was like just confused and you didn't quite know how to process it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it must have been especially tough uh, for Appling when he uh, picked up that fifth foul on one of the probably the play that could have changed the game when he uh, fouled Napier on that three pointer. And just seeing his reaction uh, as he walked off the floor and uh, kind of Coach Izzo embraced him there, that I just, I just, I was shocked as well. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Right, right. I mean, Coach Izzo talked about this as well. Connecticut shot 34% from the field, 22% from behind the arc. And they in Michigan State out-rebounded them as well. And Izzo said in with that kind of with those kind of numbers, they would win 99% of the time. But I think I think Connecticut had that X factor of they wanted to win more. And you alluded to that Gary Harris quote about Shabazz Napier. Um maybe we could play that just so just so the listeners can kind of get a feel for that. His will to win, you know, you could just see it. He wasn't going to let his team lose. You know, he was the one making the big plays for him at the end of the stretch, and, you know, that's why he's such a great player, just because, I mean, you could just see by playing against him, he's a winner. And, um, you know, yeah, he uh, willed his team to victory. So, Andrew, you're exactly right. He, you could see it all tournament too. I mean, Connecticut they they almost lost in the first round to St. Joe's, but Napier he came up clutch in every game they played. He came up clutch against Villanova. I remember we were doing actually one of these podcasts for that game, and you were watching the game while we were doing the podcast. I know very professional, but but you you even said to me then Napier just won't let them lose, and and he didn't today. He he led the team in scoring. Even though he he shot six for fourteen, uh, put up twenty five points, and he just he just didn't want to lose. And you're exactly right. I think I think that whole team just wanted to win more than Michigan State did. I I mean that's yeah that's a big big part of it. And you know the so it really stinks that that it doesn't matter how many how many categories you lead in other than uh, points and. Today, the, the only number that mattered other than points was turnovers. And Michigan State having eight in each half, and, you know, so 16 for the game. And not just bad turnovers. Not just, I mean, like mind-blowing turnovers. I think out-of-body turnovers uh, was the way Izzo described it. And that was, that was the, the buzzword at the post-game today. Yeah, and... And he was kind of, he's kind of right. It was just hard to describe it. I mean, bad just doesn't do enough, especially when you have Keith Appling dropping an inbounds pass with no one within 30 feet of him and having the ball roll out of bounds. You just, just don't know what to do. Is this 
Right. Well, speaking of offense, Keith Appling, who led the team uh, for the first seven games before you before the UNC game, he has been just invisible uh, in this tournament. And today's game was no exception. Uh, only two points, one of three shooting in 28 minutes. I mean, you can't when you're playing a team like UConn, who has the guards that are so hot, you just can't have that from your starting guard and, and expect to win. And also getting down twelve to two to start the game. Uh, I I don't know how much of a difference you think it made, but when I was watching it on TV, it sounded like a very very pro UConn team. Would you agree with that? Or pro UConn crowd? It was a very pro UConn crowd, but honestly, I don't think that that arena was any louder when that UConn was really clicking than that than it was the other night when Michigan State played Virginia and Virginia would go on run. It might have been a little bit louder, but uh, when Michigan State got up there, that arena got loud too. I mean, there was there was a decent amount of Michigan State fans. I don't, I honestly don't think and Izzo talked about this in his press conference yesterday uh, on Saturday. Um, he said, you know, Michigan State this year has played better on the road, so I, I didn't really see that as, as much of a factor in this game. Um, going back to the keep keep it Evelyn thing. Yeah, he had four four turnovers, two assists. I mean, he just started off the year, it was so promising that you thought, really, this would be a huge breakout year for him in his senior season. But but after that injury, he just wasn't the same. I mean, in the tournament, uh, total point, total uh, for here, 10 points, 4 of 12 field goals, 0 for 3 on threes, and only 2 for 3 on free throws. I mean, that just, that, that just says exactly that what you said that he's not going to the hole and and I don't even think at this point that it's the injury I think it's just the mental aspect of it maybe maybe the injury is just just barely lingering but I think it's 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 got to be it had to be in his head by then that he thought the the risk just wouldn't be with him and wouldn't carry him to what he was before the injury Right, and that's exactly right. And even 
when he had Travis Trice in the game, when he was on defense, you could just see he was struggling uh, to keep up with Boatwright or Napier if he had to switch. And and the announcers commented on this too that he just just the whole team uh, in general looked gassed even early on because just of how hard they had to work just to get a layup on that relentless UConn defense. And even in the uh, post game press conference, uh, Coach Izzo talked about the just the amount of travel they had to do going all the way to Spokane and then coming into uh, New York. And he said they didn't really get a lot of rest and the practice wasn't very good. And maybe maybe they were just burned out from the from the whole experience uh, by today. No, I don't. I don't think being burned out accounts for the stupid, you know, mental mistakes. Um, I don't think. I don't think Brandon Dawson played as well as he could have today. I mean, I. I know he had bigger guys on him, and they had uh, they had two two you know centers basically. But I think that. I think today shows why Brandon Dawson will probably be back next year. Because at 6'6", he can't play the power forward against a lot of NBA-caliber defenders and NBA-sized defenders. Um, So I think, uh, you know, it was a lot of the guys who who needed to just step up a little bit today didn't. And, uh, And that's, you know, Right, they 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 definitely did. I mean, uh, I know you didn't see this, but on TV, after after uh, the big run that Michigan State went on to end the half, I mean, even I was still scared that they had to do all of that work and and play so well just to get uh, that slim lead. But I mean, they they just didn't look good all the way. And I mean, even Clark Kellogg, he didn't make the greatest comment here when he said that Michigan State was going to blow out UConn to finish the game, uh, just because of that run that they were on. And just Connecticut, I was afraid of this too, that Connecticut would come in hot and they would just want it more. Uh, maybe it had to do a little bit with their postseason ban last year. Now coming in with the chip on their shoulder, the seniors that that's, that could have left but stayed. Uh, they wanted to stay loyal to the program, and they wanted to, to just make up for that, and they're doing that right now. And they're so, I think the, with the way they're playing, even though they didn't look as good as Michigan State at times, they just want it more, and it's just that X factor. Maybe I think that could be the reason why they could upset Florida. You know, I think I don't know who the heck to pick in that game because right now they're – that haunt my nightmares are Scotty Wilbekin and Shabazz Napier. <laughs> like those two guys, uh, I'm gonna lose sleep at night because of what those two have done. And I and they didn't even have to play Wilbekin, and that guy still scares the heck out of me. I don't think you, there's two hotter guards in the entire nation right now, and I'll include the NBA in that. <laughs> give me give me Scotty Wilbekin or Shabazz Napier or Steph Curry right now, and that's that's borderline. That's more like blasphemy for me, but I I just I don't know. That's I don't know how you pick that game. I I really don't. I think Patrick Young is going to have to is, is going to be the guy in that game because he's all that is man, and uh, I think he'll be able to move around. Even though he's not as big, as, as tall as the UConn centers, he he'll eat them if if he wants to. I'm afraid he'll eat me, honestly. Just, just, just seeing his just his large biceps that are probably the size of my head, they they scare me, and they should scare anybody that he goes up against. And he's just just a man child. And before I get you out of here, Andrew, uh, can I just get your final four picks and national championship pick? Uh, let's see. I'm going to go. All right, so we've got. Here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, no, I'm gonna pick Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky because they are exactly what is right with the one and done system. I don't know how the heck John Calipari has done it, but if you if you want to figure out how to build a program out of guys that are ready for NBA talent, somehow Calipari has figured that out this year because that team is, is terrifying. 
somehow beat Michigan today. Uh, and from the other side, uh, I can't pick against Scotty Will because <laughs> just with what he did yesterday uh, against who the heck did play yesterday? Dayton. Yeah. I mean, not even. I mean, you know, I know it's Dayton, and it's not like they pounded Syracuse or anything like that. But you know, Dayton was a was a very good team, and and he is just he's very shifty. So is Shabazz, which is why I'm really starting to question this pick the more that I talk about it. <laughs> and Florida and Florida to win the national championship because I'm I still refuse to say that Bull Ryan coach in March as long as he was the national championship. <laughs> All right, well. We thank you, Andrew, for for joining us uh, in the car. Um, we're, we're glad you could cover the games for us and represent us in New York and uh, have a safe trip back. All right, thanks, Blake. All right, we'd like to once again thank Andrew Hayes for joining us on the Impact Is Own podcast. Once again, I am Blake Froling. Thank you for joining us uh, today. We are talking MSU basketball, a shocking in my opinion, a shocking loss to UConn uh, on Sunday. And we talked about it a couple times here. UConn just, just wanted it more, it seemed like, most of the time. Maybe we just looked disinterested and tired. And even the announcers on TV were talking about it. And it's just, just those little things in March that will get you through. The hot teams usually come out on top, and and no team is hotter than UConn right now, which is why they should really scare Florida. And and that's just another reason why March Madness is called March Madness, because you never know what is going to happen. And and also, Michigan State killed by the turnovers, 16 turnovers for the game. A lot of them just really weird, out of body, as uh, Andrew said, was, was the real buzzword. Uh, we'll give you the uh, clip here of what Coach Izzo had to say about the turnovers. I got a lot of my friends here, and you know, some of them are now in TV or media. And I, I say they always talk about turnovers, whether it's a Super Bowl or, or what the sport is. And, um, I just I can't get over these stats. You know, we didn't shoot great either—40%, 37, 87—but they shot 34 and 22. Got out rebounded. You should win 99.9% of those games, and we lost easy. And it was because of turnovers and turnovers for touchdowns, as I call them. So there you go. Turnovers for touchdowns is his is his way of describing it. And even though UConn didn't shoot well, they got a lot of those turnovers for touchdowns. So they didn't really have to shoot well when they were getting layups, easy layups on the other end. And it just just wasn't Michigan State's day. It was. It scared me right away when. They started off on a 12-2 run, UConn did, and it was a very pro-UConn crowd from what I could tell, but uh, as Andrew said earlier, maybe didn't make that much of a difference, but still, it was it was just a tough game. Also, one thing we haven't touched on yet was the senior streak. Ever since Coach Izzo has been the head coach here at Michigan State, all of his seniors, senior class, have been to the Final Four, Keith Appling, Adrian Payne and Dan Chapman were the first ones not to make it. Um, streaks remain to be broken, he said. Um, they didn't talk about it as much as they did in past years. Uh, he brought up Travis Walton uh, from uh, 2010 he or 2009. He basically talked about it every day, and he wouldn't. He even got Coach Izzo nervous at times. But this season was was different. I mean. Coming into the tournament, yeah, the expectations got back high again. But throughout that season, it just so many injuries that just derailed all of the hopes. I mean, we were preseason number one and number two in uh, either poll, and just dropping down, down after all of the injuries. It just, it. I think at the beginning of the year, we talked about if Michigan State doesn't win the final, win or go to the final four, the season will be a disappointment. I don't agree with that right now because just of what this team has had to go through with just how many games people have missed. Adrian Payne missed seven games. Brandon Dawson missed nine games. And Keith Appling missed three games. And only, I think the stat was only two people have played in every game. And that's Gavin Schilling and 
Denzel Valentine and just the number of starting lineups that Michigan State has had to go through putting Travis Trice he's done a phenomenal job this season of stepping up when when Appling was hurt and he Coach Izzo said in the uh, post-game press conference that if he didn't have to start him so much, he could be the sixth, sixth man of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, but but just Trice got shut shut down today, 18 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 3 from behind the arc. He got two assists as well. And with with Appling struggling that much, we really needed Trice to step up, and he, he just couldn't produce those two guards, Boatwright and Napier, they're fast and they were hungry, and that just that that hunger that they had to get back. I think that's what won them the game. And what didn't help MSU as well, three bench points for the game for the Spartans, and the only three coming uh, on a last-second shot from Dan Chapman uh, off off the backboard. Um, I just got to say. He's probably ha- has the most efficient stat line I've ever seen. Zero minutes it, it shows on ESPN. One for one field goal, uh, which was a three pointer and three points. I mean, you can't do any better than that. And and even though it was a loss, I I do feel good uh, for Dan, for Dan Chapman. Uh, he's a walk on and his ending his career hitting a three pointer in Madison Square Garden in the Elite Eight. I'd say that's that's a pretty good way to go out, even though it was a loss. Um, so feel, uh, congratulations to him for that. Um, but, but overall as a team, just really disappointing, even, even through all the injuries. I mean, it was still a successful season, 29 and nine overall, including the tournament with a big 10 title, made it all the way to the lead eight through all these injuries. And it was a good season considering, I mean, you lose to Michigan twice, which you don't want to see. But we we got them in the Big Ten championship game, which everybody says that counts more. So so and when people say that the season would be a failure if we didn't make the Final Four, uh, when that was before the season, I'm going to disagree with that now and say that the season was a success. I know I, I might be in the minority saying that, but Elite Eight with what we've gone through just was phenomenal. Uh, now I'm gonna get off my soapbox here. We'll move on to Michigan-Kentucky. Uh, that was a phenomenal game to watch. Back and forth, two great shooting teams. Uh, Kentucky came out 75-72. Uh, Aaron Harrison, the freshman, hit a three with 2.6 seconds left to win. And just just that final minute and a half was just so fast-paced, up and down, and it was entertaining to watch. And I know a lot of people who watch the show don't like to see Michigan win, but I, I found myself actually rooting for them because I'm not really a fan of the one-and-dones, and having Kentucky win just completely destroys my argument for the one-and-dones. Um, we've, we've actually talked about it on the show uh, earlier on when talking about teams making it farther in the tournament when when they're more experienced and then Kentucky just comes along starting all these freshmen and uh, blows up our whole argument. I mean, just when you have... I'm looking at their roster right now. They have at least four NBA-ready players right now on their roster, and you can't say that about basically anybody else, any other team in the country right now. I mean, just Julius Randle, just a beast... 16 points, 11 rebounds for that game. He was just just off the charts. He could be he's definitely top 5 pick. Uh James Young 13 points, Aaron Harrison 12 points, 4 for 6 on threes and they all came in the final minutes. Just just coming up clutch when his team needs it. And going over to the Michigan side, I mean Nick Stauskas the Big Ten Player of the Year, 24 points, uh, 2 of 7, 3 points, but 10 of 11 from the free throw line. I mean, that team shot well from the line all year, especially against Michigan State. It seemed like they never missed. And they did have a little more – They they're young, but they had more experience than Kentucky. And I just thought the experience would win out, especially a team like Wisconsin. That really helped them as well. But But then Kentucky just comes out of nowhere and beats – the very experienced Wichita State, 
and then beats very experienced Louisville, who all of those players have national championship experience. And Kentucky, they just they just know how to do it. They they're the pioneers of the one and done. John Calipari is basically an NBA. You could call him like a D League coach because all of his players just go straight to the NBA. But but he just he just knows how to to get the most out of his players for one year, and not many other people can do that. I mean, even if you look at uh, Duke and Coach Shashevsky, he had probably one of the best, if not the best, freshman in Jabari Parker, and they lose in the first round to Mercer, and even they had some experienced guys. I mean, you just can't figure out March Madness, and that's why I love it so much because you just don't know what's going to happen. And and it's just spectacular. But one thing that is not spectacular is the uh, the review, the video reviews of calls with two under two minutes to go. And this has become a little bit of a an issue in these tournament games because I mean it's good that the officials have the opportunity to review calls, but they talked about this uh, after the Wisconsin Arizona game. And they're re- reviewing a uh, a play where the ball got knocked out of bounds with about three seconds left. They took five minutes at the monitor just to figure out whose ball it was, and it was and it was a crucial call too. So I'm glad they took their time, but five minutes—that's just—it's just not fun to watch. The last minute of that game probably took about 15 minutes, and and at that point the viewers just don't like that, and they'll they'll tune out. And I think, and Clark Kellogg brought up a point, maybe they should have a, a kind of a shot clock for reviews to to kind of speed up the process but still be able to look at them without just completely delaying the game and throwing off the, the whole flow of the game. I mean, it's it's tough to, to control that because you need to make that call right, especially in such an, such an important time uh, in the game. But it's just... Five minutes just boggles my mind how long you can take just to look at one replay. And they showed it over and over and over on TV. And every time I looked at it, I could make a compelling argument for either side to who who touched the ball last. It was, It's just tough to tell. And, and after you watch the same replay about 20 times, you should have a pretty good idea of what call you're going to make. And if you don't, you just have to say that there's not enough evidence to, to review the call. And it's just tough tough for those officials in that position to to go any faster i guess um but the reviews review shot clock i think that'd be a good idea maybe put it at two minutes it's but then again it's just not easy to to have an official say okay you have two minutes look at this call that could change the outcome of an elite eight game so we'll see I doubt anything will happen, but just five minutes is just way too much to look over a call. So the Final Four starts Saturday night with Florida uh, and and uh, UConn. They said ESPN said that about 0.2 percent of people uh, picked UConn to make the Final Four. I was obviously not one of them. Um, and Florida as well was the most picked to to make it to the Final Four and win, um, but. That game is just going to be a great game to watch because you have two teams that are streaking into the finals and uh, can, in Florida winning, riding a 30-game win streak. The last time they lost, incidentally enough, is against UConn. It was on a uh, last-second shot by Shabazz Napier, and uh, it was at UConn, so... I, I got to imagine that Florida, it's just so hard to predict this game because because UConn has the X factor of being hot. But Florida is just so good. They're so deep with Patrick Young, the, the tight end who plays uh, center for them. He scored 17 points uh, in their game against UConn. And, um, and Shabazz Napier, 26 uh in that game including the game winning bucket so i mean 
it's just going to be an epic showdown with Scotty Wilbekin and Shabazz Napier, and I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Every time I try to make a pick here and and try to sound intelligent, uh, just it just March just screws everything up and makes me sound stupid. So I don't know if I can go against Connecticut, just how hot they are, and and how they're just winning games. So I'm going to go with Connecticut pulling the upset over Florida in this in this game, and on the other side of the bracket you have Wisconsin and Kentucky. Uh, young versus old, Wisconsin, uh, coached by Bo Ryan, is, and as Andrew Hayes likes to always say, not a good March coach, but he's proving him wrong so far. But we'll see what what's going to happen with this game. Wisconsin beat Arizona in the Elite Eight in overtime, 64-63, to move on to the Final Four. Uh, that Their big player, Frank Kaminsky, 28 points and 11 rebounds. He is just a matchup nightmare. He is the tallest player on the court whenever he steps on, and he can post you up, and he can shoot the three, and you just can't... I don't know if Julius Randle or Willie Cauley-Stein, if if uh, Cauley-Stein is going to be able to play, if if either one of those is going to be able to, to handle that for 40 minutes of the inside-out game because Randle is just a physical beast, but I don't know if he could be able to keep up with that. And that could be a really big problem for Kentucky. But on the other hand, Kentucky is just so talented. They have just so many good shooters, and they're tough to defend all around as well. And another hot team that nobody really expected to move past maybe even the third round. Uh, a lot of people predicted Wichita State to win. But it's just tough to get a read on these young teams because you don't know how they're going to respond to the pressure of a Final Four for the first time. But but then again, Wisconsin hasn't been to a Final Four since 2005. And again, as Hayes likes to point out, Bo Ryan, not exactly the most clutch coach, but but I think I think Wisconsin is is going to win. I, I, bet it, I picked against them all March in my bracket, and they've just completely screwed up my bracket, so... I'm tired of picking against them. Uh, Wisconsin will beat Kentucky. We'll see. Or I, I can just be looking, sounding like a fool right now. Uh, but And then Wisconsin versus UConn. I, I can almost guarantee you that nobody had this as a final matchup. Or any of the possible final matchups. Really, nobody could have predicted. Um, we'll say if Wisconsin and UConn make it. Again, I really don't know. What is going to happen? I don't know if if the guards of Wisconsin would be able to keep up with UConn's guards, maybe the best backcourt in the nation. I thought at one point Michigan State might have had it, but after Appling's injury, just it's tough to defend that. But UConn definitely has the hottest team right now going against Wisconsin. I, I'm just speechless right now. It's tough to decide. Um... But I think in the end, UConn, I, I always like to pick the hotter teams going into in the tournament. Sometimes it works out for me, sometimes not. But but UConn, they just have that X factor. It's tough to put your finger on. And I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop Shabazz Napier. He has been just a man on a mission. And he's just not letting his team lose, honestly. He is not letting UConn go down. He's one of the few uh, seniors that stuck with the team in their postseason ban. Um, a couple players transferred. Um, but he's wanted to stay loyal to the program, and he wants to, to prove that decision right by staying and winning a national championship, uh, which would just be amazing. What a turnaround for the program, and and uh, a newer coach, Kevin Ollie, doing a fantastic job with that ever since Jim Calhoun uh, left, but Shabazz Napier, 25 points against Michigan State, and he's just on fire in the tournament. He had 24 against St. Joseph's, 25 against Villanova, 19 against Iowa State. So he's just not letting his team lose, and I don't see him losing again. I I think Connecticut is going to raise the banners in uh, North Texas. So we'll see. 
I'll probably be wrong, but it'd be nice to get one pick right for once. Um, but I'm just fascinated with the Keith Appling situation because at this point it has to be more mental than physical. He's had a lot of time to recover for it, and maybe maybe the reason why Coach Izzo didn't sit him out near the end of the season was because his wrist was actually fine, but you can't rest the mental ability. I mean, looking at the numbers, before the North Carolina game where he fell on that wrist and injured it, in those seven games he was averaging 16.9 points per game, 5.6 assists, shooting 59% from the field and 52% from beyond the arc. That's just amazing. He was on a tear and looking better than anybody else on the Michigan State team. But when you move ahead in the season, after he missed those three games, with with that lingering wrist injury, finally had to sit out ever since he came back uh, on February 16th. That game was against Nebraska. There's 13 games, 4.7 points per game, 3.7 assists, 45% from the field, and 13, yes, 13% from beyond the arc. He's only He only made two three-pointers. When you have your starting guard, senior, trying to lead your team to the national championship, you can't have that kind of performance and expect to win because that is just so much of your offense that you need to pick up, and and you just can't do it. And his game after, when he had a few good games, uh, after the wrist injury, and Dick Vitale kept kept uh, saying, he's back, baby. I mean, he was driving to the hole. He wasn't settling for the threes, which is why he only made two. He was driving to the hole, and he was he was either getting the basket or he was getting fouled, and he was he learned to fu- to fall right. I know coaches always likes to harken back to his uh, gymnastic days, but. He learned to fall right, and we thought maybe he got over that that mental hump of worrying about the injury every time he would go to the hole or try to make a move. And and it, the outlook looked bright for Michigan State, but then he just went right back to where he was, wasn't being aggressive, wasn't looking for a shot, and and it really hurt Michigan State. Like I said earlier, only 10 points in four games in the tournament did not make a single three-pointer and only took three free throws. You just you just can't have that from your starting guard and expect to win. And Travis Trice did a phenomenal job this season of backing him up and trying to pick up the slack when he could. But but he just was shut down today by Boatwright. He didn't score a single point, was 0 for 3 from the three-point line. And when you're two, two, guard, two of your guards combined for two points... You just, you just don't think you're gonna win. And UConn was clearly the better team. Uh, coaches have said they got what they deserved, and I agree with them. They, they did, and and UConn just wanted it more, and they got the win. So UConn moving on against Florida, Kentucky against Wisconsin, Final Four, best weekend of the year. Would be a little bit better if Michigan State was in. But being just just a pure basketball fan, it is fun to watch. You have to appreciate all that these players have gone through, and to be able to win against the highest caliber uh, of competition, it was it's just phenomenal. Um, there were some rumblings, you know, people complaining about how easy uh, Florida's path to the Final Four was, uh, which which has some some validity to it. Um, they were the overall number one seed, so they earned it. But against Albany, Pittsburgh, UCLA, and Dayton, um, and and Kentucky was just thrown into the fire with with their just incredibly tough road. I mean, they had to play against Kansas State, and then Wichita State, and then Louisville, and then Michigan. That is just brutal, and that's going to make them a better team, even though they're they're so young. I've doubted them for so long. And of course, they proved me wrong, and I just don't. It's just so tough to be able to figure that team out because being so young, they're going to be inconsistent. So they could play extremely well against Wisconsin because I think they're a little more athletic than Wisconsin, or they could just just kind of 
wither under the pressure and Wisconsin could run away with the game. You just don't know what's going to happen. So it's just going to be fun to watch. I'm going to just love this weekend in North Texas. It would be just amazing to be there uh, in Jerry's world, 90,000-plus people watching a basketball game. So it, it's just a great weekend for college basketball, and I'm looking forward to it. Michigan State had a great season through all the injuries, through even the Elite Eight loss. I wouldn't call this a failure. It was very successful, 29-9, Big Ten champs. It's something to build off of, and maybe we talked about this in our last show about the chances that Gary Harris stays. I ballparked it around 10% that he stays, but but with this loss and, and the way that they lost, being so heartbroken, I think that might, just might, raise those chances a little bit more, maybe 25 30% chance he stays, because Harris might just be so stunned and stung by that that loss that he doesn't want to end his college career that way. Just just a hopeful Michigan State fan, uh, hoping that's the way he thinks about it. Um, in the post-game press conference, Gary Harris said that he was not even thinking about it right now. Uh, he was not. He would not announce when he would make his decision about the NBA. But even through the loss, the objective reporter in me says that he's probably going to go to the NBA and and when you he's guaranteed he's pretty much guaranteed to go in the in the lottery and he's going to be making a couple million dollars to start the year it's just tough to pass up that kind of money you know would you rather be playing basketball and getting paid a million dollars or would you rather be going to class studying economics and going to practice and having coaches all yell at you but but this program is just great, and there's he is he'd just be an even better player. Maybe that's that's always the question with these players that that might stay too long. There's a chance of injury. There's a chance that they just wouldn't do as well and hurt their draft stock. So I think Gary Harris's draft stock is riding pretty high right now. He stayed mostly injury free uh, throughout the season. So I just got to think that he's going to leave. And they're also talking about. The possibility of Brandon Dawson leaving, I don't see that at all. Uh, Andrew talked about this earlier. He's six foot six, and he plays power forward. And yeah, he has springs for legs and can jump out of the building and had, and is one of the most athletic basketball players I've ever seen. But he has a, possibly even a worse jump shot than I do. And at six six, you need to be able to shoot at that at that size because. Uh, he would be put at a small forward in any on any NBA team, and he's going to be not only shooting, he's going to be guarding the shooters, and I just don't see him being ready right now. I don't think he would get drafted if he went out right now, so I think it would just be absolutely foolish of Dawson to leave, whereas he could spend a summer working out, working on that jump shot. They talked about coming into this season that he worked on his jump shot, but but we didn't really see much improvement. Maybe the last couple of games, he 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 hit a couple jumpers, and I'm talking maybe at the elbow, at the farthest. But but he definitely needs to to enhance that and be willing to take a jump shot. I mean, in his whole three years here, he's he's taken one three pointer, uh, and that came in the tournament. So I mean, at six six, he's just not ready. He needs to develop that jump shot, and maybe he'll have a chance next year. Uh, but but I, I would say right now, Brandon Dawson stays, Gary Harris goes. Of course, Adrian Payne will be graduating. He They're uh, projecting him to go in the top 15 as well, and I think he's definitely boosted his, his stock from last year. You just look at what he's done throughout this whole season. It's just, just been phenomenal, even through the injuries. He was just a man on a mission. He didn't want to let uh, Izzo down and let the streak go. Uh, he did his best. Uh, season average, 16.5 points per game and 7.2 rebounds. I mean, he did all he could. He had 41 points against Delaware. Looked like he couldn't miss. Went 17 for 17 uh, from the free throw line. He did miss one free throw against Harvard. Uh, and previously, he had a streak where he had never missed a free throw in any tournament game which is just phenomenal, especially 
uh, for a player of his size. And NBA NBA scouts are going to love his inside-out game of how easily he can shoot the three and how much he's grown from that. I mean, he barely shot it his first two years, uh, got up to 38% in his junior year, and now he shot 43 over 43% uh, this year from the th- three-point line. Just, just amazing growth throughout the four years. And I think any scout would love to see what he can do on the NBA level. Uh, I mean, you can't teach height. He's huge. Uh, 6'10", 245 pounds. So I think he has a bright NBA future ahead of him. He's got the three-point shot. He's got the inside game. Um, so we wish, wish him the best of luck uh, as he le- leaves Michigan State. Not the way this podcast, uh, I thought it would go. I thought we'd be talking about our Final Four chances, but nevertheless, can't get too down on the team. Had a great year all around, especially considering the injuries. So I I was shocked after I watched the game. I think I, I just laid on the floor for about five minutes, just in disbelief, and then... When Andrew sent me the post-game press conference audio, it just crushed me even more. And especially when Coach Izzo was talking, and in the background, you could hear people, you know, celebrating and yelling Huskies, which it was just like dag- just digging the dagger in even farther uh, into my heart. But tough, t- tough one to swallow. Hopefully we can see what the Spartans will do next year. Going to be a lot different looking team. Costello, Trice, and Valentine will all get much bigger roles. It'll just be interesting to see what they can do. And please, 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 Gary Harris, come back. I mean, I'll I'll get on my knees and beg just anything to get him back. But but I don't think it's going to work. But we can try. All in all, once again, Michigan State loses to UConn 60-54 to in the Elite Eight in Madison Square Garden. UConn moves on to the Final Four in North Texas. That game will be on Saturday. So, once again, Spartans won't be cutting down the, uh, cutting down the net uh, to one shining moment, but, but still, I'm, I'm impressed with the, with the season. My first one uh, being here at Michigan State. And I think it it will give give the team room to grow. Hopefully, we can get back to the same level in a couple of years. So once again, I'd like to thank Andrew Hayes for for joining me on the phone. Uh, finally got it working here. I hope you all enjoyed having me as the host for the first time. Hopefully, it didn't bore you to death. So for Andrew Hayes, you can follow him on Twitter at his own Hayes, and you can follow me. At B. Froling, tell me I messed up. Tell me I did just an okay job. Uh, I might respond. You never know. So once again, this has been uh, Impact Is Zone. Uh, thank you for joining us, and go green. <laughs>